HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program was brought to you by the Academy Opus Caseus, whose training programs bring cheese professionals to the next level. I'm Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curd. I'm happy to be back in the host chair. My name is Ann Saxelby, former host and now sometimes host. And I'm here with sometimes co-host or, in, or no, sometimes host, Diane Stemple. Um, right. Hi, host emeritus. Host, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Diane has hosted a uh, monthly book review mm-hmm. on, on Cutting the Curd, which is always fun. And here with us on the phone line today is Rin Caputo of Caputo Brothers Creamery. Hi, Rin. Hi, how are you? Good. Thank you for being back on the show. I know we've roped you in like many times by this point. Absolutely. Always love to be here. Thank you so much for having us. So um, today, today's episode is about Mother's Day, because Mother's Day is this Sunday. For all you guys out there, don't forget. Right. Time to buy your presents, get your cards. And girls, too. Uh, as, a, as a daughter of a mother, I can say that I've forgotten Mother's Day. Um, although now <laughs> I, it's harder for me to forget because I am the mom now. And I'm like, hey, wait, some, somebody's got to do something nice for me today. <laughs> And uh, we all know that cheese is the perfect way to say I love you to your mother. So definitely get some cheese. Exactly. That is <laughs> a very good point, Rin. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, well, so I had the idea for this show because I was actually listening to a past episode of Cutting the Curd where Greg, um, who's the current host, was talking with Marika Penterman from Holland's Family Cheese in Wisconsin. And she was talking about how when they rebuilt their creamery, they built a special room um, at the creamery for her kids to come and hang out in when they come home from school. They can do their homework there. They can just kind of hang out and unwind. And I was thinking, wow, isn't that a cool, ingenious way for a mom who's obviously super busy, has her own business, to kind of weave the family into the business in kind of an unconventional way? And that led me to think about you, Ren, because I know that you um, bring your kids with you. Um, on your trips to Italy a couple times a year. And so um, I guess, yeah, I just wanted to talk about that concept in general, like how, you know, moms in the cheese world have kind of 
you know, tailored their businesses or their work to work with them as, you know, a mom and, and, you know, and as a family. Um, so Rin, maybe we could start off by talking with you. How, how many kids do you have and how old are they? So um, we have two, um, Giovanni and Matteo. They're actually the Caputo brothers of Caputo Brothers Creamery. Um, So I always have to laugh when we meet people and they're like, you know, um, oh, yes. I know the Caputo brothers well. Yes, yes, I've met them many times. And I'm like, really? Because they're six and five. Um, so, but they, yeah, they're, so they're, uh, Giovanni will actually be seven in June. But uh, for now, they're six and five. And uh, they're the toughest bosses you could ever imagine. Uh, they, sure. keep, they keep us all in line around here, that's for sure. Does your husband not have a brother? He does actually have a brother, but, um, you know, when we we started the business um, not quite four years ago, and the boys were both quite small at that time, and we were thinking of, you know, lots of different names for the business, and, you know, one of our main missions in doing this business was to be able to have as much time as possible to be, you know, part of our children's lives and to have them be part of this crazy adventure that we set off on and so we felt like you know what what better way to honor them and potentially guilt them into taking the business over someday (laughs) 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 is to you know name the business for them and um, we had a, a wonderful logo artist graphic artist that was able to take their silhouettes and actually um, put them into the logo. Um, And so, yeah, it's just, you know, we always wear the logo right over our heart, and it's kind of this feeling that no matter where we are and what we're doing with this business, they're always with us. And, you know, a good reminder of why we do what we do every day. Very nice. I I assumed it was an older brother. You know, I I did not assume it was your kids. That's great. Yep. They can take ownership. Exactly, exactly. And they, you know, we've had over the years just some really cute moments that have happened. You know, Mateo, the five-year-old, saw a a little girl about a year ago that he thought was very cute. And and, uh, he came up to me and he said, uh, Mommy, I want you to go tell the little girl that we're the famous Caputo brothers. (laughs) We make that good cheese. And I was like, really, bud? You think the, the cheese will impress her? And he was like, Absolutely. And I was like, all right, I love it. Even at like four or five, you, you know, you, I know, mean, you, you know your game. So. It's, it's actually true because what five-year-old would not be totally, you know, head over heels for delicious mozzarella? I yeah, mean. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He knows his audience. So yeah. it was, it's, yeah, it's pretty funny. Pretty funny. So, um, so are the kids, um, are they interested in the cheese making process and how is the, how is the interaction between, you know, that you guys and them, like at the creamery, I'm sure they're not there all the time, but when they're there, are they like into the cows, into the cheese? How is that? Sure. So, yeah, we um, we actually started the uh, business in our home. In Pennsylvania, you're allowed to actually produce food from your home so long as you're a licensed business. And so the original creamery um, was literally, you know, right off of our, our kitchen. We built an addition on to our house. And so um, before they were in school, um, we used to get the milk and gallon jugs when we first started making the cheese. And so 
we had a milk slide because uh, we have a pretty big hill from the driveway, and you know Mateo would stand at the top and he would push it down as we would load the the you know crates of milk on, and Giovanni would get them out of the bottom and he would take them into the washer to get them clean, and so they actually have memories literally um, from when they were very small of of being involved in the business. There there used to be the running joke in in the family anytime we would get in the car and we would say, oh, we're going to take you somewhere exciting. You know, we're going on an adventure. They would say, "Who do we have to deliver cheese to first? You know, because they knew, you know, if if mommy and daddy were both in the car and we were all going somewhere, we were trying to make it exciting that there was some kind of cheese demo or delivery or event that had to happen first. And and um, you know, now that they've gotten a little older and they're in school. Um, you know, I think for them, they see a, a lot of the different aspects of the business. We now have a small restaurant. We now do the trips to Italy that they're involved in. And I think it's really a sense of pride. I mean, sometimes it's it's fun to just sit back and listen to them talk to their friends and, um, you know, talk about, oh, you know, we were, our cheese was in a magazine this month, you know. I mean, it, you know, think about it from their perspective. It's um, a big deal. To see us on TV. Yes, exactly. Or even now the Internet is a medium that, you know, is much more important in their lives. Um, mm-hmm. So to see a YouTube video or to see us working with a chef or, or to win an award is, is very exciting for them. So, yeah, I mean, they, they you know, I think we started the business when they were so young that they don't, they don't know anything different. When I was a kid, I always like wanted to like, I wished that my family had like a store or something (laughs) where I could like go and like, you know, do stuff. I feel like kids have a real like, you know, want and, 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 you know, they, they take pride in being able to help. So that's interesting to hear you Mm -hmm. talk about how even at like a really young age, they could help out and how, you know, they kind of enjoyed doing that. That's really great. Yeah, and they, you know, on Wednesdays, we do lunch on Wednesday at the creamery here, and um, their bus driver actually brings them right here to the creamery, which is the best thing ever in the entire world. Um, and so when they get dropped off, first thing they do when they come in the door is they want to count the register. You know, they want to they want to know how much money did we make that day and what did we sell. Good and, businessmen. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's again, for them, it's about being able to touch the money, and, and but we make it a math problem for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we hope somewhere along the way it's, you know, the chaos of running a small business is is doing good for them, (laughs) not Mm -hmm. ruining their lives. No, absolutely. Absolutely. It's funny. We're sitting here in the booth at, at Roberta's Pizza, and I'm just watching Brandon Hoy, one of the owners, walk around with his daughter, Charlotte, who's like uh, a year and a half old. And it's just hilarious to and think they, of. they both have the same hairdo. They have a pebbles, <laughs> um, sort of a pebbles ponytail the, on top of their heads. On top of their heads. It's true. Yeah. And they and they actually great. just had another one, too. So, yeah, it's it's just funny to see, you know, how people incorporate their kids into their businesses. It's really Really great. Yeah. Um, well, so talking about like, you know, I mean, we're obviously a cheese show. And so talking about food, um, h- how has the business played a role if, you know, in shaping your kids tastes? I know the parents are obviously the most um, important kind of, you know, conduit of information and of, you know, different foods for kids to eat. But what do you think your kids have gotten out of, um, of, of that? And do you think that they're kind of I don't know. How do you see your love of food kind of influencing your children? 
Yeah, you know, sometimes we have to remind ourselves because, you know, on one hand, you know, they've been, you know, slurping the clam out of the shell since they could hold it in their hands. You know, it's maybe 16, 17 months old, you know. Um, they they eat penne pasta, uh, pesto pasta, sorry, like it's their life depended on it. You know, there's <laughs> a lot of, you know, Giovanni loves sushi and, wow. you know, any type of seafood. Uh, if you if you were to ask him what his favorite food is, he would immediately tell you octopus. Um, <laughs> you know, so there's a lot of those things that, you know, we look at and we're like, oh, you know, we're You're doing lucky. a great job. They really have an expanded palate. It's wonderful. On the flip side, getting them to eat, you know, broccoli is... <laughs> No different than any other home. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's certainly I think that they've been exposed to, uh, particularly when we go to Italy, and, and Dave and I, my husband and I always laugh that they have two, two minds because when, as soon as we land in Italy, there's no, can I have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? There's no, you know, um, I'd like to have a hamburger. You know, they immediately have a whole menu of foods that they know these are Italian foods, and this oh. is what we eat while we're here. And, um, you know, the, the moment get the into plan lands, lands, Giovanni is looking for octopus. It's like, <laughs> how quickly can I eat it, and how much of it can I have? Um, the Italians should put it on know, their so, flag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, I, I definitely think, and when it comes to cheese, you know, they listen, and, and I think I was telling you the story, Anna, you know, we have a, a local butcher in town, and the moment that we walk in, he knows we're cheesemakers, and he wants to give the boys a slice of American cheese. Oh, right. You know, and, and, and they love it, you know. Um, it, 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 you know. Does he rip, understand? Rip a bit, but, <laughs> Does he understand what he's doing? What's that? Does he understand what he's what doing? He's do- and the difference? And probably- yeah, you know, he, he thinks he's doing just a really... You know, he thinks, oh, these are people who like cheese, so I'm going to give them some. It's like the butcher giving your kid a slice of bologna. Yes, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. right. Um, and, you know, we live in a very small town, so, mm-hmm. you know, years ago Dave and I decided we were going to pick our battles, and this is one of them. And, and you know, one day I was telling this story to someone, and I was like, it just kills me, you know, when we go in there, you know, the guy gives them the, the slice of American cheese, and it breaks my heart, and, <laughs> and uh, Mateo overheard me telling this story, and, and later that night he just out of nowhere said to me, Mommy, you know that I love our cheese and that it's my favorite, but I get to eat it all the time. That American cheese, that's just sometime cheese, and I only <laughs> eat it when I'm there. <laughs> that's great. And so, you know, it's funny that just even he understands, mm-hmm. you know, that we're being mm-hmm. polite and that's what we're supposed right. to do. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's. I definitely think that being part of the food scene and just being so close to, um, like you said, the animals and the farm. They'll go and spend, uh, sometimes they spend the night um, with our dairy farmer. Um, she'll keep them overnight, and they get to, you know, go out and and see, you know, muck the stalls and be a part of the milking. And, you know, I feel like if we can give them a sense of being closer to their food source, that's what we need. And um, hopefully they'll grow up and be better stewards of food than, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people are these days. So I do want to give a voice of sympathy to the moms out there who might be listening, whose children are terrible eaters. Mm. <laughs> 
and maybe don't even like cheese or oh, what? Want, I no, mean, I'm I, just kidding. I, I, I mean, it could be. It could be. Food is such an emotional battleground sometimes. And I just feel like some listeners might be, you know, feeling bad for, for themselves. Well, so, so hello to those moms and dads whose kids don't eat cheese. Well, <laughs> well, so Diane, I don't know how much you've like outed yourself to our, our listenership, but you know, Diane is a therapist who is also a cheesemonger. Diane and I actually met when we were working at Murray's now like 14 years ago, just so crazy. <laughs> right. And so do you talk to um, parents who have issues with yes, this? Yes, yes. I mean, many kids don't eat anything, either mm. friends' kids, patients' kids, relatives' kids. It can be, and it can be one kid out of three is just a complete pest. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it can be, you know, I saw Kraft's uh, Mac and Cheese. It's a staple. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it, many people eat it. Many kids mm-hmm. demand it. I had a friend who put good macaroni in the box but kept the craft box in the cabinet so that her son thought he was having craft mac and cheese. <laughs> well, but clever. she was making yeah. it, you know, at least more wholesome. Well, so this is actually really funny because I, this piece of news came across my inbox because Emily Acosta, who um, is one of the producers on this show, she forwarded me a bunch of cheese headlines for the week. And one of them was from the Los Angeles Times. And Kraft is actually going to be removing all synthetic dyes from their macaroni and cheese well, the in the United change. States by 2016. Ah. And it says... Um, let's see. It will be colored with natural ingredients, including paprika, annatto, and turmeric. Excellent. Which is pretty crazy. Yeah, it says the move comes two years after a change.org petition asked the company to remove artificial dyes. It was signed by 365,000 people. Wow. Um, so pretty interesting. Now, um, will it taste better with all those subtle spices in it? I, I would, so. I would think so. I mean, huh. what did what did they have in there? Now? Oh, I it was can't like wait. yellow number five and number I'm, six I'm buying or something. Some. I'm going to do a before and after test. Yeah. So, <laughs> good news for cheese lovers in general. Even Kraft is like you know changing changing up their game a little bit. But um, all right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue to talk with Rin of Caputo Brothers Creamery um, here on Cutting the Curd for Mother's Day. Stay with us. Oh, 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 oh,
The Academy Opus Caseus is the cheese industry's unique center for professional development, offering training for cheese professionals ready to move their careers to the next level. The Academy is the only professional cheese school integrating hands-on practice, formal instruction, and curriculum-related visits in every course. The Academy's core courses for mongers and affineurs are offered at the Mons facilities in France, and abridged courses are offered in Vermont, California, and London. A structured discipline of sensory analysis is practiced daily. The Academy has been recognized by the American Cheese Society as an approved education center for those preparing for the certified cheese professional exam. Here's a reading of a quote from Kevin Palmaccio, a graduate of the program. The balance of time is what sets essential foundations apart from other educational opportunities. While the classroom is important, spending time at the goat farm and working alongside the Mons staff immersed us in real work and taught me real skills I've already applied in my career. As a relative newcomer to the cheese business, daily concentration on sensory analysis was paramount. As a cheesemonger, I'm now in a better position to familiarize myself with a wide range of products and sell with more confidence. For more information and to apply for courses, visit their website at academy-mons.com. That's A-C-A-D-E-M-I-E-M-O-N-S.com. And we are back on Cutting the Curd. This is uh, the Heritage Radio Network. If you want to comment on this Mother's Day episode or give your thoughts about a mom uh, who's, you know, feeding her kids or just about anything about our conversation, feel free to tweet us um, and join the conversation. So my name's Ann Saxelby. I'm your host today. I'm here with Diane Stemple, my co-host for the day. And on the phone, we've got Rin Caputo, who is the founder and owner, co-owner of Caputo Brothers Creamery, um, located in Pennsylvania. Um, so I wanted to lead off the second segment by talking about having a business as being like having a kid. Um, <laughs> I, I like to think that, you know, my business just turned nine. Actually, it's turning nine tomorrow officially, but congratulations. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. And I th- really do think of it. Like I was like, that was my baby for a long time. And I wonder what it's like to have kids first. I mean, mm-hmm. because my life was really sucked into that business. And it was pretty much all I ate, slept and breathed for, you know, for a few years. So Rin, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the balance between, you know, your, your baby, the business and your real babies. <laughs> it's funny because, um, I have, uh, people will always ask Dave and I, if we're done having children and, um, we're like, yeah. So they're like, Oh, you stopped it too. And we're like, no, 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 we have three. <laughs> the business is definitely a child. That's for sure. Um, and you know, it, it, it is, it's very interesting because I can still remember the night that I was feeding 
Giovanni just after he was born, and, and Dave used to come and sit with me while I would um, be feeding him. And um, we were just having this very, what seemed like a very innocent conversation at the time. We were kind of at a crossroads where we were trying to decide if we were going to do a, a restaurant or cafe or, or go into one of the production areas where we had been trained, cheese or gelato or pizza, that type of thing. And, and I just said to him, I said, you know what I want? I want a place, I want a business where we can raise our children and they can be a part of it and our family can be a part of it and it can be this kind of, you know, very Italian, multi-generational, happy, you know, wonderful place where, yes, we'll work hard, but we'll be a family as part of it. And we made the decision that night and the path just kind of fell out in front of us. I mean, the moment, it, again, it felt very innocent at the time, but it was like, yes, we're going to do this, and we're going to do cheese, and we're going to move to Pennsylvania, and our family's going to move there with us. And, you know, it's amazing to think six years later how far we've come, and a large part of that, I think, is because we've always kind of kept this notion that our children were part of the business, not mm -hmm. just we were going to go start this business and also raise children. And so it's it's kind of like we've been raising th three children at once. Mm -hmm. Where did you come from and what was your training in? Um, well, I was a military brat, so I kind mm -hmm. of grew up all over. Um, and Dave is from southern New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And when we met and married in Philadelphia, we both had professional careers. So I was a senior manager at Johnson & Johnson, and he was in pharmaceutical sales. Oh. And on our honeymoon, he decided he wanted to become a chef. And mm -hmm. um, we found a culinary school in Italy. We moved to Italy, went to culinary school there, and spent six months in an immersive program in southern Italy and then traveled all 20 regions just from a food and wine, cheese, meat perspective. Wow. And we, um, so you took we a turn right away. We moved the Virginia Beach area of Virginia, and hmm. that's where we were when we decided to embark on this journey. Wow. So you changed courses right away. We did, yeah. We really, um, I think, you know, never, again, all of these decisions at the time felt very innocent, mm -hmm. um, like we were just, you know, researching a dream and figuring out if that's what we wanted to do. And along the way, we were amassing a set of tools and skills, I think, that really put us on the path um, for the success that we've had in the business. And, and what's great is our family has been there. Um, you know, my kids not only get to benefit from myself and my husband being in the business, but my parents also live with us, and they're part of the business as well. Mm -hmm. And even Dave's parents, although they still live in New Jersey, are here quite a bit. Um, uh, when we travel to Italy, for instance, we go back in June for another trip, and his brother and sister-in-law and nieces are coming to watch the boys while we do the tour. So it's really become this very tight-knit family around this business and a, a synergy that I wish we had more of those family businesses thriving. Um, mm -hmm. cause it's, it's really it's, 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 it's a phenomenal experience, mm -hmm. I think. It's interesting to think of, yeah, um, you, you kind of sparked my memory that, you know, about the multi-generational piece, because I feel like especially in Europe, but especially in Italy, I mean, households mm -hmm. are definitely multi-generational. So that's really cool that you have your um, parents, you know, and, and Dave's parents helping you guys out as well. Yeah, I mean, what greater gift can you give to your children to get to have their grandparents intimately involved in their lives, but also 
I feel like it's keeping our parents more, more active, more involved. We're not putting them out to pasture. I keep telling them they're not allowed to get old. Um, we're not going and, out with the cows. You know, I mean, what they've done in their retirement is amazing. You know, my mom manages an acre culinary garden. Last year, she jarred over 800 quarts of preserves that we use in our restaurant. I mean, it's amazing. With my dad's help, he would be quite upset if I didn't include him. <laughs> So, Rin, what was your upbringing like, and how? What was? What are some of your food, first food memories? Yeah, so it's amazing. Um, I, I feel like um, I am a testament to those moms or or even dads out there who might be thinking, "Gee, I wish my kid would eat, you know, clams and oysters and octopus." <laughs> I was that. That girl growing up who ate peanut butter and jelly sandwiches three square meals a day. <laughs> um, I mean, I was picky. Great. I had a lot of just food aversions. Mm. You know, if it if I didn't like the name or the smell or the sound of it, I just could couldn't even you know be bothered. Even um, just the word. Yeah. So wow. I mean, the fact that I have come <laughs> this far, truly, um, and you know, it's 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 amazing. I think, in a lot of ways, um, as parents and and as a mother, sometimes I have to remind myself because, you know, I remember the first time someone offered um, Giovanni a, a raw sea urchin. We were in Puglia, and one of our friends was trying to teach him how to use the bread to scoop out the raw sea urchin. And I immediately went to say, oh, no, 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 it's okay. You know, don't give that to him. And he, he, I stopped myself. I filtered it, and he, he took it, and he, you know, scooped it out, and he, he ate it, and he loved it, quite frankly. But <laughs> my immediate reaction was, oh, no, 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 he will never eat that, uh-huh. you know. Um, it's funny how we how we like shortchange our kids like that. Yeah. Like you don't think that they can do certain stuff or they won't like certain stuff, but mm-hmm. it's oftentimes our own limitations, not theirs. <laughs> perfectly said. Perfectly said. Yeah. So it's for me. You know, I kind of grew up in that. Um, you know, semi homemade. You know, our moms all worked. Um, my mom did a great job of making sure there was always dinner on the table. Um, but you know, there was. There wasn't time for gardening and, you know, that type of thing. And so we've tried to, you know, make a concerted effort to try to use as much food and teach our kids about food. And I remember I was like 30 years old before I saw broccoli growing. I mean, is that scary? It's sad. <laughs> um, I was like, that's what broccoli looks like when it grows? Who knew? Um, so, you know, I want I want for them to see that, to really understand that, that food doesn't come from the grocery store. It comes from the ground or from an animal and, mm-hmm. or milk. And um, So, yeah, I think that's for us probably our biggest thing that we're trying to do for our kids is just really educate them through the process. And then, quite frankly, if they choose not to eat it, no big deal. But, you know. At least you put it out there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. I think for Mother's Day, all kids should eat two new things. That's, That's a, great a great idea. idea. <laughs> that should be like a national. Let's get on Facebook. There you go. National Start program. Start a Mother's Day <laughs> two new foods challenge. Right. And right. Call out your friends. Cheer up your mother by eating two new foods. Yeah. That, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. <laughs> that is really funny. Well, so 
Diane, what about you? I know we've been talking um, a lot about Rin's experience and, you know, a little bit about mine. Um, what about your experience getting into cheese? And, you know, I feel like you came at it from a different perspective. It was a different perspective. I ran a business in my house that was my therapy business. So I had that in my front porch and uh, literally uh, babysitters thought I was going to work. They, they thought I was leaving the building. Yeah. <laughs> I would put my purse on and say goodbye. I'll be back in five hours. <laughs> and I was really gone. At work. You know, I mean, my son knew where I was. Yeah. And I was, you know, if the house was burning down, they could call me. But nothing else. Nothing yeah. else. Yeah. So when I went to work in Cheese, I was like, leaving the home (laughs) i was getting out and about uh one day a week yeah at artisanal and then at murray's and it was uh it was very fun it was very fun getting out of the house and not having to take care of either my patients or my kid absolutely absolutely and so how do you think your involvement in cheese and food changed your family's eating habits oh it did change their habits because well also i took them on many trips yeah all our trips once i started in cheese centered on visiting cheesemakers or countries or uh, we went to the isle of mall for me to make cheddar um you know drag to the you know, two ferries, a castle, <laughs> we hit a car, you know, driving on the wrong side of the road. It was it was quite an extreme family trip. But uh, so it really added to everyone's experience. And both my um, ex-husband and son branched out their cheese eating amazingly as the years went by. First, they had just their little favorites. Uh-huh. And then, you know, year after year after year, it just broadened so that, you know, we all eat almost everything. That is so cool. That is so cool. Well, I feel like travel is a really huge thing. Um, Rin, I know that we've just we've touched on it throughout the show, but maybe can you tell our listeners about the trips and about like, you know, how they can sign up? Because I'm sure people. Yeah, like, those trips sound great. I know. I really, I really want to go, too. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're really um, so we we take three culinary tours over uh, each year to Italy. In April, we go to Calabria, the toe of Italy, and Sicily. And in June, we do the Amalfi Coast and kind of the Arch Basilicata, a town called Matera, and then the Puglia, the heel. And then in September, we do Tuscany, Parma, and Cinque Terre. Um, mm. Like you said, I can't even pick. You know, getting up at 7 a.m. and making Parmigiano-Reggiano for the morning. Um, each each trip is really focused on the food um, uh, and, and wine of that region. So it's, you know, in, in Italy, um, a diet can change radically from one town to the next, mm-hmm. forget about one region to the next. And so it's really meant to be an, an immersive um, 10 days where you're just there and um, you're eating and, and just learning about some very unique dishes. Or a lot of it is kind of like, you know, anthropology where you're, you can see, particularly in, in the southern towns that we visit, the evolution of how a dish might have come from there and what we now know it to be as the Italian-American counterpart in our country. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of fun kind of getting to peel back the layers and seeing the original and, and how it evolved. 
Um, and the boys go with us on two of the three trips. So they go in April and they go in June. Mm-hmm. And um, they don't actually go along on the 10-day tour. Uh, we go over a little early, and then someone comes and watches them while we're touring with the group, and then we, we stay a little longer. Um, and, you know, June will be their eighth trip over. Wow. And it's 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 really amazing because I think one of my proudest moments, and I was thinking of this as you were d- describing the travels, is like when we're here and somebody will say to them, you know, oh, what's your favorite cheese? And, you know, Matteo will say in his little voice, scamorza. You know, and most people have no idea what scamorza is. Um, maybe if you call it scamutz, they do. But, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, it's it's just, you know, it's it's he's used to referring to it that way. He'll mm-hmm. call something fior de latte as opposed to mozzarella. <laughs> Same with Giovanni. You know, so just mm-hmm. those little things that... It's not like we're sitting them down while we're over there, and we're like, okay, when you get a young provolone, we want you to call it scamorza. You know, it's it's just by osmosis, by being there, by being in the culture and and experiencing it. They're picking up those things that they're bringing back with them, and those are the moments where I find myself most proud, where I feel like, as a mom, okay, I haven't messed them up too bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's the trips are great, and um, if people want to find out about them, they can go on our website, Caputo Brothers. Creamery.com. We still have a few seats left for next April, and we're just about to release um, next June. And um, I'll tell you a secret. We think we're going to actually add a, a, a oh. seven-day trip in there that's going to be for families, oh, for people who ask. want to travel with us with their children. That's um, awesome. And so it's Dave is going to kill me for saying anything about it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of people who are eager to take their kids abroad, and they're just a little nervous about it. And we'd like to try to take some of that away and let people know it's okay. You can come and you can you can travel, mm-hmm. um, even with your very young children. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very adaptable, much mm-hmm. more adaptable than we give them credit for. And I think if you have a trip organized that way and everyone's bringing their kids and, yes. and you all gear it differently and it'll be wonderful and, and kids are, are very welcome in Italy. There, yes, absolutely. Italy has the lowest birth rate by far of oh. any country in Europe. Ah, so they're so looking for kids. anytime they get to see children, it's like the best thing ever. Our kids' literally cheeks are mm-hmm. bruised by the time we get back. So for the original trips, most people do, do not bring kids. It's couples and... Exactly, okay. exactly. We have an age restriction on the regular trips. Okay. Um, we usually say 13 to 14 years old mm-hmm. um, or older. Um, but this trip will actually be geared toward, um, you know, families and um, some adventures for the smaller kids. And mm-hmm. um, we're just kind of pulling it together in our mind right now. But we've had a lot of people ask us about it over the years. And um, I think it would be just a great experience to show people that it's, you know, it can it can be done. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to wait until your kids are old enough and out of out of school, and mm-hmm. you know that that you can then start traveling. I think you know, as as you've done, taking them with you, even at this impressionable age, I think makes them a um, a, a citizen of the world. You know. Yeah. One 
Well, it's really funny. And they fly for free until they're two. So yeah, that's, right. that's a bonus. Point. That's exactly right. I, I on took, your lap. On your lap. On that's your true. lap. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Actually, to Europe, that's a little tough. That's a little tough. Yeah. we took. I took Max, um, my Max. Diane has a Max as well. I took my Max to Bra for cheese Ugh. when he was like 10 months old. Was he on your lap? He was not on my lap. Oh, Actually, good. I was planning on that. And my mom was like, are you nuts? She's like, we're getting him a seat. And my mom, it was me my mom and Max. Yay, mom. And um, yeah, it was funny. I think, you know, it was one of those things where, yeah, it seemed my mom was more intimidated about it than I was because I just kind of like to travel and fly by the seat of my pants. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, we just we went for it. And, you know, he did great. He he probably he adjusted really well with the Mm -hmm. sleep on the Mm -hmm. way there and the way back. Mm And, you know, yeah, we had to kind of change, um, you know, the days to, to accommodate naps and stuff. But we would go out in the morning, go out in the mm-hmm. afternoon. And, you know, he's obviously not going to remember it, but my mom and I will. <laughs> and it was awesome. So I feel like that's a great idea to offer trips for kids. And also in Italy, everything relating to children is always um, bimbo, festa bimbo and all yeah. that stuff. So just to see that word is um, worth it. <laughs> Alone. It is, it is. And, you know, they still take naps in Italy, you know, for the most part. Oh, the grown-ups across do. Across the country. So right. what better place to travel with small children that than a country a that still point. naps in right. the middle of the afternoon? Right. <laughs> oh, well, um, I think we, with that, we will sign off for the day. Uh, we're just about out of time here. But thank you so much, Rin, for coming on the show. And thank you, Diane, for coming in. And happy Mother's Day to all of us. Happy, happy Mother's, Mother's Day. Day. And to yes. all our listeners. Absolutely. And Greg will be back next week for his regular broadcast of Cutting the Curd here on the Heritage Radio Network. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.